With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. This is Jay. Uh, we've had some problems with the volume uh, from my recording of this week's Game of Thrones. Um, so I'm just putting this warning out there. My volume's going to be really low. Um, almost didn't want to publish it, but figured, you know, we recorded it. Might as well send it out there. Um... See if you still want to listen. Uh, I think uh, Nick and uh, Jack still provide some great insights, but my volume is going to sound really low in some points. Um, and uh, hopefully this week will be a lot better. Thanks and uh, enjoy the show. And welcome to Game of Thrones with Jay and Jack and Nick. My name is Jay. And I'm, I'm Nick. Nick. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, let's whoa. try it again. Let's try it again. Ready? All right. <laughs> Wait, does Nick go second? Uh, yeah, Nick goes second so that you can do your, you know, your little oh, okay. stick with a name. My stick, and then I'm done. That's classic Jay and Jack, you know, stuff. I know, I can't remember. We, we, we worked on this last time. I'm watching the I'm watching the draft at the same time, so you're not even you're not even paying attention okay. to the show. Okay, yeah, God, I, I am I'm here. I'm there. I'm here. I'm there. I'm here. I'm uh-huh. Okay, all right, all right. Hey, at least I had a name this week. Well, let's try it again. Let's try it again. I don't know. So I don't know because I I don't like to be rehearsed. Nick, and then it's you. All right. I don't. I don't. Do I don't like do rehearsing. It. I don't like rehearsing. I'm Jay. <laughs> I'm Nick, and I'm only fifteen. Four times, setting records. Um, welcome like, to the show, guys. It, it's like an audition tape for Survivor. <laughs> um, yes, uh, we had uh, a new episode of Game of Thrones uh, titled High Sparrow. We'll keep your high uh, on the sparrow. Um, I guess Beretta would have been, maybe Beretta would have been a better one. Um, we met the High Sparrow, or what they call the High Sparrow. I love that actor. What's that actor's name? He's awesome. He's in everything. He's in everything, but he always everything. does a good job, whatever he's in. Um, but yes, uh, not too much action, but a lot of good meaty stuff. I thought in this episode, yeah, um, a lot of the North. Uh, Solid episode, yeah. Cool. I I thought it was great. 
So uh, anything you want to talk about before we get into the recap? Well, the reason I said he's only 15, I'm only 15 because the actor that plays the king is only 15. Yeah. So it's, I think they had a little, it was kind of awkward, some of those scenes, you think, filming him? Well, no. Because it's a 15-year-old boy's dream, isn't it? Well, I, I get that. It's, it's like it's, you know, it's, well, I almost thought for a second I thought he was with his teacher. Well, <laughs> is it too if soon? They, if they would have gone with the book, it, he would have been eight. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Even more awkward. So it would have been even a little quick, quicker than it was. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it would work because you're not even yes. by that point. But she would have been asking if if, if she hurt him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Did I hurt you? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, everything's fine. Um, yeah, okay. It's like being with warm taffy, I guess. Uh, <laughs> too soon. Uh, <laughs> nah, no, it's, it's warm taffy. It's never too soon. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, a quick update for the warm uh, taffy fans at home. Worrying, uh, worrying about his recovery. How is Warm Taffy doing? I, I went and visited him uh, yesterday, which is what, what's today? Wednesday. He was getting, uh, sat there for about an hour with him. He's doing great. He's, uh, he's, he's not walking on his own, but he's using a walker, but he's walking. He's like three hours. He has an hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the afternoon PT. Mm-hmm. And he's standing, he's able to stand up on his own, which people say, is that a big deal? Yes, with that kind of injury it is. Uh, his legs and everything are fine, but then he got dinner. And he had sweet potatoes and greens and all this stuff, and he put the ketchup on the sweet potatoes. Why? Because he he just doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> I said, you know, you're better on the ladder. <laughs> it's healthier. No, he, it's healthier. He goes, he goes, you, he goes, you put uh, ketchup on French fries. I go, yes. I hate that. I hate when people do that argument. Mm-hmm. You put ketchup on French fries? Yes. Like that. I, I don't like ketchup, period. So I have a better argument in the sense you do put like ungodly God's amount of ketchup. Ketchup, things, but... ketchup period. Got it. Um, but anywho, um, so no, but he's, he's doing well. He's, he's doing well. He's he's on he's on he's 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 happy. Every you know he's reading the messages on the Facebook page and people are sending him cards and letters. He got one from England, uh, which is pretty cool. And so he's uh, he's working hard because he wants to get out of there because they won't send him home until. You know, he's ready to, to go. Good. Good. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, and this is our Game of Thrones show. Uh, Nick is our new addition, and I think it's been a fantastic addition to the show, adding insight and depth that we could never provide. Um, the, the kind of layout we've been going with, at least one, one show going so far, um, <laughs> is, <laughs> we're going to go uh, into uh, our Game of Thrones recap. Uh, if we have listener feedback, it'll then be a listener feedback section. Uh, we did have some last episode. We do not have listener feedback this episode. So kind of disappointed listeners out there. Give us a call two zero six three nine zero three eleven. Call any time. I mean, really. Is it that hard? Really. You can call any time. Literally any time. Any time. Yeah. Um, so listener feedback will be the second section. And then the third section, closing out the show, if you don't want to listen to it, because it is kind of spoilers, but not really, is uh, we're delving into the books and, and how the books relate to this episode, um, what was different, um, what differed from the books or what was accurate to the books or what something more in depth that the show couldn't get into um, because it's a TV show versus a book that can get you know some more details put into it. So And that'll close out the show and that's where Nick's expertise will really come into play. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> without further ado, uh, let's get into the Game of Thrones recap. Yeah. Nicely 
be done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, we kick things off uh, by going back to the House of Black and White with a sweeping aria. Yes. yes. The first thing you see is uh, Jekin Hagar giving a, a man a little, seems like a cup of water. Mm-hmm. And then Arya sweeping the floor and not too happy with her manual labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a little like Danielson. Yeah, I, I kind of felt... Uh, I'm not sure if it's this scene or the next one with her, but you know, she kind of like, "I am ready. Give me something to do." Like it, it, it kind of felt that Empire Strikes Back of like Ben, tell him I'm ready, and then like, you know. yeah, it's like any punk kid, you know, they think yeah. they're ready when they're not ready. Just, they're not ready. Yeah, yeah or, or like a yeah, like a kung fu movie or something where they're trying to to learn the ways. Um, really, any show, any any, that's real life. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you, know, you think you're old enough and ready to do things, and you just sit back and listen to your elders. You know, I was kind of, I'm kind of with uh, Ari on this one though, uh, because you know, before Jacken was like this really cool guy. It's like, oh, awesome! I'm gonna learn how to like learn the ways of awesome fighting, et cetera, et cetera. And now it just seems like I'm in some creepy cult. Yeah. Well, next next scene, she goes knocking on doors. Yeah. What? She goes knocking on doors the next time, you know, annoying people. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, gotcha. Is she in a black and white suit? I'm just saying. I'm just uh, saying. Um, you see, you know, people hide in the. Uh, don't answer the door. Don't answer the door. Well, it's days have passed, so she references that, and you know, she's hoping to become an pre- apprentice of a faceless man. Um, and then Jack and asks her, you know, uh, all men must serve, which I think you talked about that last week. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Valar Daheris means all men must serve, and that's that's kind of what he tells her when she's like, "I want to be an apprentice," and he says, "All men must serve." So it's kind of like you have to pay your dues before. I train you. You know, you have to you have to learn to be no one, which, you know, forget who you are. And, you know, that she's basically been a kind of a little bit of a princess, even though she's not Sansa, that she needs to learn to be humble before she can learn what she needs to do. Uh, and then, oh, she asks about all the, the gods yeah. in the room uh, next, and then to which he replies, there is only one god, and the girl knows his name. Uh and then death, right? it's death. Yes, exactly. Cause that's kind of what the house, the black and white, their God is. I mean, they're all the same God. It's the same as, you know, the seven face God, the, uh, uh, the Lord of light. They're all to the, the house of black and white. They're all the same God. They're just different shades of the same thing. Gotcha. Okay. okay. And, uh, yeah, after that, you, you look back, you see her zoom out a little bit and you see this man that who was given the cup of water lying there dead so he was given the the gift of the god, which is death, uh, and his body's taken. Yeah, a little bit creepy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then, I'll, I'll, I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, from there, we go to uh, King's Landing and Cersei making her way through, following uh, Marjorie's uh, much beloved uh, motorcade, and nobody's paying much attention to poor Cersei. Exactly, just another thorn in her side of no one respecting her, all chanting Marjorie's name, and she's just cast over. No one cares about the old queen anymore. Change her name to Roger Goodell. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you seen this draft? Every time he goes up there, boo! <laughs> but that's got to hurt, though. But she, but she was never very friendly. She's, she's not, not a friendly person. No, she wasn't, yeah. So. I think it's, it's a cool thing, too, but at the beginning of the season, they went to that flashback. Yes. It does give that context for her... And it's almost getting to that last point of making me 
care about this person that I really don't care about, but I still don't care about her, so I'm kind of fine with it. You don't care about her? You, you, like, if she were to die off, if she were to get killed off next episode, you'd be okay with that? Yeah, I'd be a little bit relieved because I still don't trust her. But you don't, but, but you, that means you still care about her if you trust her. If you, if you care that much about not trusting her, right? So you, you obviously care a little bit about the character. A smidgen. Anyways. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, so then uh, we have uh, a quicker and less deadly uh, wedding uh, than the last one. <laughs> uh, That's what I was going to say. Like, we have, like, a, I think our first wedding without a death, you know? <laughs> is, there, is there a color associated with this wedding, Nick? A color? No. No. no it's just. So this is, uh, the, so this is the, the bland wedding? <laughs> the bland, yeah. It's just the. The, just the, the, the pedophile wedding. Or, or I don't know. <laughs> Well, technically, in those days, right? It's it's actually it's no days. This is a fictional well, thing. Well, the way I think that's, of you know. Yeah, well, I think about their actual real ages, which is uh, Natalie Dormer's like thirty-two. So, and, and that kid probably that's a bit of a stretch. A bit of a stretch. Because I actually looked it up. I said he can't be eighteen. There's no way. Because I kept the way they were filming it and showing it. I go, there's no way this kid is is eighteen. But with the way they, you know, kings become kings back then, didn't they have, like, young kings? Because well, yeah. They did. The oh, yeah. The kings. It's just the, yeah. It's one, of the, one of the flaws of the system. Um, and then uh, we kind of then go to the, to the awkward, you know, uh, consummation uh, of the marriage. Yeah. Tom, Tomlin becomes a man. <laughs> like, this is great. I want to do this, this every great. day. Yeah. He likes it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Every day, every day, all day. And she's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, man. But then Marjorie starts playing, you know. The, oh, yeah. She's, she's got some moves. You see the manipulative claws come out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, she's smart. She has the people trust. She has the king, obviously. King's happy. So <laughs> the power's all on her side. Um, so, yeah, she's, she's you know, laying it thick. Uh, about, you know, <laughs> she's uh, uh, a mama's boy, essentially. Yeah. And, the lioness yeah. is always watching her cub. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so then uh, Tom and, and Cersei have a nice uh, talk uh, around the grounds. Right. Yeah, yeah, the next thing you see is Tommen and Cersei walking, and he kind of – you hear Marjorie's words coming out of his mouth, and it's working because he's literally saying, I want you to be happy. Don't you want to move back to Casterly Rock? And you can just see it in Cersei's face like, what? <laughs> you know, you're my family. I want to stay here. So but Wouldn't you be better over there? Over there. Come on. I'm the king. And I'm a man now, Mom. <laughs> you know? But but, he, but he's not he's not. I don't think he'd have. He won't have. Do you think he'll ever bring up uh, be like Jeffrey towards her, like Jeffrey was toward Johnny Joffrey? No, I, Joffrey. he's 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 always known as a sweet and kind kid, and yeah. I don't know if we'll see it because uh, I can't really predict it. But he's a weak king. You know, he will be a weak king because he's so sweet and innocent and. Marjorie kind of knows that about him that she can kind of rule through him if as long as she gets the power, right? Yeah, and and I think from that sense, this is a situation where if Marjorie plays right, she, to your point, will be the ruler, and I think that would be a good thing because uh, the weak king probably won't last too long. Um, well, she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't want to lose her power either. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, you know, she can hold on to that. But uh, sorcery, sorcery. <laughs> uh, Cersei uh, meets up with Marjorie as Marjorie's telling her what handmaidens 
about uh, the record uh, Tom was trying to set. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of like this scene. It was just, it really was pointless, but it, it was just kind of like, you could basically sum it with just like, I hate you, I hate you too. You know, and right, but a perfectly like subtle yeah. way, right? a very subtle way. Like, I'll do anything that you want. Oh yes, what are you called now? The grandmother? What is it again? Like, yeah, or is it just Dowager yeah, queen, Dowager, queen mother. We don't know. Just go away. <laughs> Could be queen you know? grandmother soon. The way a boy. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, does anybody want to hear that? Does any mom want to hear that? Of course not. No. But here's the thing, um, Cersei seemed almost like broken. In this, is that was that a true breaking of her will, or is she just putting on that act? So because she's working on something, I think it's a total act. Yeah, yeah she, she doesn't show emotion. No, no emotion. But you you can see it like in the previous episode where she's sending her father, what Marjorie's father, away to because he's now the master of coin. So right. you see it like she's trying to manipulate everyone. They both are, Marjorie and her. They're trying to get as much power as possible. And you see it later in this episode, too, with Cersei trying to get as much power as possible. So as long as she's trying to send away all of Marjorie's people that can help her so she can rule, and Marjorie is arrogantly saying, like, no, I'm the queen now, You're, and I can control your boy who is the king. Mm-hmm. So we'll see who wins. Uh, then we even go to, uh, I think, Winterfell for the first time this season. Well, yeah, well, on the way to, yeah, to Winterfell. Uh, we actually in um, Moat Kalen. You see Sansa, and, yeah. You see Sansa and Littlefinger riding north, and they come upon Moat Kalen, which is the very bottom of the north, okay. and it's it's at the neck where everything narrows down, and there's nothing there except swamps, except for this one little strip of land. And so, if anyone had to conquer the north from land, you would have to take this fort first, and that's why it's a very strategic importance. Uh, but they go there, and you see Sansa become aware, like, we're heading north. You know, and you see the alarmness in her face, and she realizes that the marriage proposal isn't for Littlefinger, it's for her. But I thought we were in Winterfell first, where, where oh. uh, uh, Ramsay finds out that... Yes, I'm sorry. That's okay. You're cool. well, well, he had the skin, the, the bodies were skinned. Yeah, they were, they were flayed. Yeah, yeah. I, skipped, I skipped a paragraph in my it's notes all right, here. It's all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we go to Winterfell, and you know he's still a freaking weirdo freak, Ramsey, uh, oh, yeah. playing people, um, and his dad. And what's how do you, what's his name again? Ruse. Ruse. Yeah. Well, Ramsey has a hobby. Well, a hobby being a sick psychopath. Uh, well, that's what they do. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. But you know Tywin's dead, so they don't have really the Lannisters backing anymore. So you, know, you get power through marriage, and then we do go to. Uh, well, I mean, we can still talk about this because I mean, there was some pretty interesting things in it. Like, I loved Theon's look of almost like a fear flashback when he saw these two flayed men being pulled up. Because to me, it remind I think it reminded him of when he had fake Bran and Rickon up there right. when he did it to him in season two. Mm-hmm. And that's it, the important thing here in this scene is not necessarily the marriage that Ruse is telling Ramsay; it's what Ruse is telling his son about. You can't start killing these people in the north because they don't have the army yeah. to to keep the north if the northerners rebel against them. Yeah, and you have to think about it like from where what else is happening around. You have Stannis who's wanting to come north, come south to conquer them, uh, and then also the Lancers aren't there, so they are still kind of in a dangerous position. Yeah, so it's uh, a key thing to remember. It's good politics. I mean, from right. uh, Ruse's position. Um, 
but yeah. Um, but, you're, but you're trying to control a psychopath. I mean, so right. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't. I think he's made a mistake, and I don't know. Right. I, I just don't. I, I, Ramsey's just crazy. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've been loving seeing these these online polls. I don't know if you guys have seen them of like who's crazier, Ramsey or uh, Joffrey. And Ramsey, to me, wins it hands down. But. Oh, he is. Joffrey was just he was just angry. He was just yeah. ang- he was spoiled, angry kid. Where Ramsey is just. He's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, but then we go to uh, what was that town again? Uh, Moat Callan. Moat Callan, and um, uh, Sansa's there, and that's where Sansa finds out that the that Raven uh, wasn't uh, about his uh, Littlefinger's engagement. It's for her. Right, and she freaks out naturally, like anyone would, uh, because these people killed her family, and she doesn't. I mean, you're being married once again to a monster. I mean, she's going to be married to uh, Joffrey, then Tyrion, who she considered to be a monster, and then now Ramsay. It's just like, God, you're being just tossed to the wolves over and over and over again. Uh, But Littlefinger grabs her and is like, stop being a bystander. You know, you have to think about the big picture here because, and he doesn't say it to her directly, but he wants her to figure it out. He said, think about it. If you marry him and something, if he dies, then you're the queen once again of the North. It'll be yours. You know? So it, it makes sense for her to marry him from that point of view. So do you think, you know, one, it was for his own self-interest, but do you think it was also for trying to finally get her to snap out of it and that you need to start making moves for yourself? Exactly. He wants her to play the game, the game of Thrones. And like I said, my, my theory about, uh, Littlefinger has always been he wants the whole kingdom for himself as well and you know he is her uncle right now he's the the, the lord of Harrenhal he's also the guardian of uh, the Eyrie of the Vale and if by some chance he can position himself to marry Sansa because he always loved his mo- her mother then he would control three sections of Westeros so I, I mean I don't know if that's what's going to happen but that's kind of my what I've always thought he is his, his game plan mm-hmm. so what do you think if Sansa marries Ramsay? Mm-hmm. That maybe Theon kills Ramsay. I mean, it's very. It would be an interesting twist because he's been run down and turned into this sniveling little coward. Right. And if he if he does grow a spine again to possibly defend Sansa or realize he has to do something to escape, I could see that happening. Because I'm thinking you said she would become queen. If you know, obviously queen, well, not, not she, queen, but she'd be warden of the north. Yeah, right. She'd be or, warden of the north. Yeah, because uh, but I just think because there's got to be a reason to keep Theon around. Well, just, well he's I, I, yeah. It would be a big twist to me because you know his sister came back and he turned against all of them. You know, I, that, that to me, where I guess, and that could be why they showed that scene and how big of a turnaround that would be if he did it. But but yeah, like you, like Nick said in the beginning, how he reacted to the bodies hanging there, and it's just like it's like there's there's somebody still in there. There's right. somebody still. There's some. It's not a lot, but there's somebody still in there. And if he could just pull himself out, he would have revenge on on Ramsay. Right. And I, I just mean, think that I just think that would be the way to go. I mean, uh, Ramsay did a really good job of brainwashing him. I mean, it goes into a little bit more in depth in the books, but I mean, every time he kind of threw him a bone or did anything good, Ramsey did anything good for Theon, 
you know, and Theon thought, oh, wow, he's accepted me as an equal. He would just pull that carpet out from under him every time. Like it was over, it was a trick every time. And it just, it just killed any kind of self-confidence in him. So it's, it, it's a really, it's a big hump for Theon to get over to even say that he is Theon. Cause it's, in his mind, he is Reek right now. That's the only person yeah. he is. All right. We'll hold out hope. Yeah. That yeah. It just, it's, it's almost pathetic seeing him every time. Yeah. Um, so then we, we go to Brienne and uh, Pod, who are kind of looking above. Um, and, you know, she basically knows where she's going. But there's uh, – so they're going to continue following. But um, there's a really sweet scene, um, I think, where Brienne's, um, you know, talking about why – Pod, why were you a squire? How did you get to where you are? Um, there's a good share there between the two of them. Yeah, I agree. It was, a, it was I mean, it was a very nice scene because you see – uh, one that Brienne first has a little respect for for Podrick and decides that she is going to train him, even though she's not a knight. Uh, and then Brienne here telling a really sweet story to Podrick about why she loved Renly. It wasn't a romantic thing. It was just because when she was a little kid, he treated her like a human being instead of this huge, tall mule of a woman that she always thought she was and that it killed her inside that she couldn't return the favor uh, when he died. And she just felt helpless. And it goes back to what I said like in episode one of this podcast, that she finds the motivation now is that she is going to kill Stannis because he's a man and I can kill him. Mm-hmm. So it, we'll see if that happens. You never know. Very good, Nick. Very good. <laughs> it made it. We recorded it. <laughs> and now it cuts off. Um, <laughs> that was the fifth try on that. On that, that. Uh, the, sky, the internet has not been in our favor tonight. Um, so then uh, we go uh, to the wall. Uh, to the wall. Um, Comes trumbling down. And uh, John officially refuses uh, Stannis's uh, offer. But Stannis is still kind of almost fatherly to him a little bit. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I, th- like, I think he respects him. He respects him. Yeah, and I think because he respected his dad too. You know, so. That you see that, and you even see that too with uh, uh, Davos saying that that he was telling him that he respects him. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, John John returns him down, says, "No, my place. I'm Lord Commander, and my place is with the Night's Watch." So, um, and then Davos does the old, you know, stay behind and you know plead his guy's case one more time again. Uh, right, but you also see that Stannis leaves all the wildlings in John's charge too, which. That will be interesting to see mm-hmm. because you already see from the previous episode that the Night's Watch already kind of thinks that John favors the wildlings a little too much. And you can also tell if you're paying attention, he never calls them wildlings. He always calls them free folk. Mm-hmm. So when everyone else calls them wildlings. So it's you. I don't know. This is interesting where, where what John's going to do. Right. Um, we then go back to the House of Black and White, uh, and Arya makes a, makes a new friend. Yeah, <laughs> sweet girl. Yes. Uh, yeah, she walks in and uh, begins to kind of harshly question Arya uh, about who she is and everything, and then starts whipping the crap out of her with a, with a stick. And uh, Arya is about to kill her. It seems like, you know, you're going to find out who I am. And then luckily Jack and Hargar walks in and puts it to a, a quick stop. Uh, um, yeah, you know, and he kind of 
kind of calls Arya out, you know? It's, these are all Arya's things. Right. Uh, well, first they say that we're, we're playing a game, the game of faces, which is kind of a lying game, I assume, of like, who are you? And, uh, yeah, it says, you're not ready. You need to, uh, because you are, I don't see no one. I see Arya Stark, and Arya Stark's things. And so, basically, he's kind of giving her an ultimatum. You need to get rid of all these things if you want to continue with your training. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see that. And uh, the Arya is throwing, the next scene, that she's throwing all of her possessions into the river or the canal, uh, except for one thing, which is needle. And to give you a little bit of a, a book thing here is that she – I mean the, the show did its best showing this, her actually clutching needle and burying it. Mm-hmm. But the reason why she doesn't want to give this up is because it's her one connection to home, to Winterfell. I mean John had it made for her. And so it's just too – I mean you've seen it over the season, what she's gone through to get this thing back. She trained with it and she just can't give it up. I mean it's, it, the needle is as much as her identity as anything else. Mm-hmm. So, but now will she ever be able to truly – Right. It's well, one, she put it it's, under the rock. So, yeah, it's just the yeah the one part of her that she's going to keep, you know, of, of Arya around is and that. I, and I was fine. I was like, no, not needle, no. I was the same way. Don't, don't do it. Such a cool little sword. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then, uh, Sansa but, arrives back at Winterfell. Yes, and she's introduced to the Boltons, and I actually kind of love this first little exchange here when she sees Ruse for the first time, because he's like, hello, Miss Sansa, or Lady Sansa, and she just kind of looks at him, and you're not quite sure if, if she's going to spit on him or stab him or what, yeah, but then she just gives was, this little... Was, that, that was a great scene. It was. It was, and then she just gives this little little clever smile and just, hello, you know, like, you know and then... So. Um, and then uh, she returns... Is that her old room? It looked really familiar. I, I'm pretty sure that's where they did. They gave her her old quarters back in Winterfell, and uh, and I did I did love that. It's a short scene, but I did love that the maid looks at her and says, "You know, the North remembers." So it's I don't know what's going to happen, but it's a good indication of it seems that the people who are still living in Winterfell are loyal to her, not to these Bolton people. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So. It was very awesome. And I forgot to say something before. Uh, after hiding Needle, um, she also helped clean a dead man uh, with right. her friend, which is again. Yeah. Well, yeah. That by you see that by giving up her possessions now, she's kind of been accepted. Now she's going to be trained, and she's allowed to go into that next level down, which is yeah, cleaning the the bodies of the dead. And you can see, which is see, always a lot of fun. I don't know if I want to be yeah. part of, of of this of this cult. Not not my uh, cup of tea. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. I'm sure later in later episodes of what all this means, mm-hmm. but uh. I won't tell you for now. Okay. Um, and then we <laughs> go to John, uh, kind of taking on his duties there, and he's assigned some Duty. jobs. <laughs> duties. Duties. Speaking of which, uh, one of the first ones is they have to uh, dig a new uh, latrine uh, pit. Yes. Right. And I love the tension that's built here, you know, because you see Alistair Thorne just look at him like, if you, if you little bastard, you, if you give me this duty, you know, you're going to have hell to pay. But, you know, but John smartly doesn't, you know, he gives it to just some little other ranger and says, there you go. Good job for a ginger. Yeah. I you know? love the ginger. I thought yeah. that was funny. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, go ahead. But then he, but then he gives, um, uh, and what's his name again? 
Alistair Thorne. Alistair Thorne. He gives that job uh, to, uh, he gives him the Night Ranger. Yeah, the First Ranger, which is, yeah, it's the highest Ranger. It's one of the, the biggest positions you can get in the Night's Watch. So he does honor him, you know, even though this guy has treated John like crap since day one. He does at least give him the respect that he is earned. Well, in a line that Stan, well, he gave to Stan, you know, what about keeping your enemies close? Um, you know, and Stan goes, I've never heard anybody say that he didn't have a lot of enemies or something like that. Um, yeah. Is that really the smart move? At least in this case, it seemed like it was. It seemed like it was in this case. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I probably wanted to push him his way because he is a man of authority. And, and sending to East Watch by the Sea would have been a good idea as well. I think because he is could potentially be a troublemaker for John if John makes a mistake because he is an as it is you know respected amongst those men in the uh, Castle Black. So we'll see if if John does well at ruling or not. Um, and then uh, Janos uh, Slint uh, is assigned a Grey Guard. Right, which is um, like I said, there's about twenty. Uh, castles along the wall, and only three of them are in use. But because John knows that the White Walkers are coming, he's trying to open up new forts to be prepared for wherever they attack the wall. And so he assigns Janos, which is, I think this is what he was trying to do, was keep Sir Alistair there, because he is an enemy, but not as all of the enemies there. So Janos was kind of Sir Alistair's second-hand man. So it's like, I'll send him away, not Sir Alistair. So let's give him this fort and get him away from me. But Sir Janos isn't having it and really insults John by in the process. Yeah. Um, you know, just like lays into him. I'm not going to take orders from you, boy. Um, you, you bastard. Uh, just like lays into him. Um, yeah. All tough. He was all tough. Yeah, Talking tough. And then John, you know, right. So you're going to, this isn't. This isn't a request; it's a command. You know, you're not going to do this. Um, and then, you know, you know, basically, uh, what do you do to a dissenter in, in the Night's Watch? It's, uh, it's you're going to be killed. Exactly, and it yeah, off it doesn't with his head. off his head. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. It doesn't really set in on, on Janos until right there at the very end. You know, he's like, oh, he's just trying to scare me. He doesn't have the guts. And then it just dawns on him, like, oh yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, um, and I agree with John on this absolutely. I mean, even though he begs for mercy, he's crying. He says, "I'll go." It's 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 past that point of no return where it's if I let you live, no one will respect me. Not only that, but he says, "I'm scared." Like, why would you want this person? You know, you just told me that you're scared of death and you're you're basically useless to be a part of of this team. Yeah. Um. And I, now I didn't know this, but I saw I heard about it after the fact that it was. It, uh, John didn't realize that this was revenge uh, for the death of his father. Exactly. Janos yeah. Betrayed. Um, betrayed him. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. There's a uh, like a uh, an in-depth look uh, on HBO. Uh, on that. But, um, so a nice little uh, nod to Ned there. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then of course you also have another nod from Stannis with his approval. Yep. So. Yep. John did good. <laughs> he did good. Did good, son. Um, yeah. We then go to Littlefinger's brothel, and uh, the, high, <laughs> the high priest. Uh, what is he called? The high septum. Yes, the high septum. Yes. Um, is uh, picking uh, different gods um, to uh, you know, have his way with, um, which I'm probably blaspheming of some sort. 
Just a little bit. Uh, and then we have the Sparrows, uh, who Lancel kind of introduced us to a couple episodes ago. Um, and they basically take him out and kind of whip him and embarrass him in the streets. Right, yeah, making him pay for his sins. That that would be an embarrassing walk. Yes. Especially for an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> uh, he then goes to... to Warm taffy might like it. <laughs> oh, he'd like, he'd like the little swat on the butt. Yeah. We know that. He then goes to Cersei's council and pleads uh, that they get taken care of. Yes, yeah, so he, he's embarrassed, and uh, they're supposed to protect the faith. Uh, and he wants his justice for it. That you know, the, the assaulting on me is assault in the church, and he wants the the sparrows gone and their and their leader executed. Which Cersei doesn't heed this at all. You know, she sees it as an opportunity. Right. Yeah. So she uh, is then shown visiting the high sparrow in the bottom, the slums of Flea Bottom, where he is just a, a pauper and in feeding the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of that classic kind of. Messiah type figure, in a sense, you know, giving away all of his things, and um, you know, he's he's not any more important. But since I'm, you know, the one doing this, that I'm assigned this importance. Right. Right. So Cersei, you know, says that you know the heist doesn't want me to kill you, but I put him in jail instead. I get this is a move for her to gain more power, but is this the right person? We, you know aligning yourself with when he doesn't want any of this right exactly i actually didn't like this scene uh because it's different in subtle ways from the book and i like the way the book did it better but yeah she's trying to because the the church is supposed to be loyal to the king and i think the reason for her motivations in this way is because you see it her she says that like we're trying to establish like an alliance we need to protect one another so I think she's trying to give him a, a hint. It's like, I'm going to give you power, but you have to respect my power by doing that. So she has the power and not the king and Marjorie. Well, what else is she? I mean, it's pretty much her only move. Yeah. She, so. she has, she, nobody respects her. It's like, you know, the week before her uncle was telling her, I'm not talking to you. You have no power. Right. So she had to. She had to make. She's desperate times call for desperate moves. I think she made the only move she could make. Uh, right. Cersei then checks in with her old friend uh, Quyburn, uh, who sent a message to Littlefinger. Right. Yeah. It gives him a little note. Says uh, you know, find this wherever he's, you know, sneaking around and uh, <laughs> make sure he knows. Oh, I forget the word, but you know, make sure he knows what this note means. And then you see a nice little Frankenstein moment. In the back of the room. Yeah, so I mean, that was the the mountain that he's been working on, right? Right. I mean, it's not confirmed uh, that that is the mountain, but it's true. It, it, it's the mountain. Yeah. We can kind of deduce. Well, should we say, say should we said spoiler on that one? I mean, is no, it is, I mean, I, it's, it's out there? I think it's just a, it's a safe guess. It's a safe okay. guess. Yeah, it's a big guy under a sheet. Who else could it be? Yeah, <laughs> but. Um. <laughs> Uh, we then uh, go back to Winterfell, um, right. and uh, reek to what we've been talking about earlier. Is kind of still trying to avoid being seen by Sansa. Right. Yeah. So he knows now that she's there, and he kind of cowers away and, and doesn't say anything. Uh, she walks by, and then we move to Ruse Bolton uh, and Littlefinger. Well, actually, you see Ramsay talking with Littlefinger briefly about making Sansa happy, but uh, but then yeah, you move to Ruse uh, and Littlefinger talking about alliances and their alliance. 
and uh, Ruse doesn't really care anything about Sansa, which is typical to the Bolton families. They don't care about the person. They just want. He just needs her name and the loyalty of the North people, because they're now the wardens of the North. And he questions Littlefinger's motives of double-crossing the Lannisters when they've given him everything. Mm-hmm. Which is it's yeah, that's an interesting thought as well. I would be cautious of that as well because I mean, Littlefinger went from nothing to being Lord of Harrenhal. You know, getting married, being uh, master of coin, all by the Lannisters. Mm-hmm. So, but as kind of like we were talking about earlier, even uh, Littlefinger even says that Tim those like, you know Tywin's dead. Tywin was the Lannisters, so they have no allies, they have no power. And Tomlin, like I said earlier, he's going to be a weak king. So it makes sense to him to make big moves now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's it's a good point. Um, because the, the Lannisters are weak. Um, yeah. So you, you can't really, you know, put yourself up with them. So no, totally get that. Totally, totally get it. Um, so then we go uh, to Tyrion, uh, who is uh, bored out of his mind. <laughs> oh, yes. he's He is now, absolutely, after three episodes, ready to get out of that box. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's tough looking at a bald guy. Day after day after day. Yeah. Um, so then he visits uh, Volantis, uh, walking around the streets with a lot of slaves. We kind of learn the different things about him, and then we see a new, uh, an, uh, I guess, a second Lord of Light. I think we've seen. Yes. Uh, and this one seems to be worshiping uh, Khaleesi. Yes. The, Khaleesi. You see the uh, yeah another priestess of the Lord of Light. Yes, exactly. Preaching that the sla- the Savior is there to uh, to free the slaves to to usher in, I guess, a new era. And then it's, it's actually a really well-done scene. You kind of see this a little bit in the book. It's almost verbatim, except for a few other people, like political people that you don't see. Um, and I guess that's really, yeah, she gives, looks Tyrion in the eye, and he decides they need to leave. And that's kind of the scene. Now, is that, is, uh, I didn't realize there would be multiple Lords of Light. Is that, is that a common thing? Well, there's only one, there's only one Lord of Light, which is the God. But these are priestess. These are priestess. You know, that's what Melisandre is. That's what uh, uh, Dondarrion was. Who, you know, who's the Brothers Without Banners? They're all priests of the Lord of Light. Gotcha. Okay. So. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Um. Uh. So. Uh. Yeah. She stares down a Tyrion, so they decide to go to a brothel, and our good friend uh, Jorah is uh, hanging out, getting a little drunk. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you kind of didn't expect to see him, but you do. And uh, well, uh, you know, I did the whole spoilery in the previously on. Uh, yeah, that was, did they? I, I okay. wish I would. I wish I wouldn't have watched that because it's like, it, oh, well, he's going to be in the episode. He's going to be. In, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's like, come on, why did I watch this? I blame myself. <laughs> but you know, what, what really made me laugh or chuckle is just Tyrion sweet talking this prostitute, and then realizing he can't, he can't do anything. He can't perform. He can't perform, yeah. And he's like, I hope this ri- hope this does not stay with me. <laughs> what else would I do? <laughs> so, very cute scene. Um, yeah, so that he, uh, he does one of his favorite activities is uh, peeing off the side of some type of wall. Um, and uh, Jorah captures him and says, I'm taking you to the queen. Which queen is he taking him to? Exactly. That's the question. That is the question. Um, I can answer it for you, but I won't. Good, good. Uh, so that closes out uh, the episode. Overall, what did you guys think? 
I thought it was great. Solid episode. You know, lots of information, lots of not no fighting or anything, but it it really progressed the story well after the first two episodes that were fairly slow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it, it was a quick, like I said, just flowed. Like I said, flowed. It, it's what you know. It's a good episode when you look up. Go, wow, it's over already. Mm-hmm. So you're not looking at the clock. So I, I, I liked it. I really liked it. Yeah, it was good. It was an enjoyable episode. Uh, it also had a lot of good Stark moments, and I think we all love the Stark family. Um, What's left of them, yes. Well, yeah, and I, and I think, you know, uh, it was a good episode for them. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I liked it. Yep. yep. Um, all right, well, uh, without listener feedback, we're going to go into our book <coughs> section of the show. So if you don't want to be spoiled on the books... I don't want to know any more detail about that. You can go ahead and skip ahead. But, uh, Nick, let's get into uh, our book review here. So what was your thoughts book-wise in relation to this episode? Yeah, book-wise, uh, most of the scenes were, were pretty good and pretty spot on. Uh, the, there's a few things like Bravos, for example. Uh, Jack and Argar is not the one in the books who trains Arya. Okay. Uh, he's elsewhere and rumored elsewhere uh, in some other epilogues and, pre- and prefaces. And the man who trains her is known as the Kindly Man, uh, who, when he first starts training Arya, he's actually just a skull. His, he has no face at all, uh, which is really cool to read about. Uh, and then eventually, as Arya accepts his face, he puts on a face, and it's a kind old man. And that's why he's known as just the Kindly Man. There is no name. That's why like, we get this, I am no one, because they are no one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. And then as for the waif, which is the girl who's also in training, mm-hmm. uh, let's see here. She does not speak the common tongue or English, you know. Okay. And in the, in the books, Arya and her become friends and they teach each other their languages. Oh, okay. Uh, and then because there's a lot more time that passes of her sweeping the floors and just being mundane things. So it's kind of a way for her to pass the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the game that they play that she referred to as the game of faces where she's whipping her. Is called the Lion Game in the books, and it's basically where you challenge each other. You tell stories, and you, you, the person tries to figure out if you're telling the truth or not. Because little things, and it's how to control your character, how to control your voice to become anyone. So, you basically you believe everything. That's when it's like it's, it's the skill of becoming no one is being being able to fool people into believing anything you say. Mm-hmm. So. That's little things and little tidbits to help you understand these scenes for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in King's Landing, like I said earlier, Tomlin was just eight years old in the book when he marries Marjorie. So it's, it's a bit creepy for a television show. Yeah, I guess it uh, couldn't go that far. At least he was almost a man. Right. Uh, Quiburn's large creature is never shown also in the books. It's still just rumored that he's working on this large creature. Mm-hmm. So... Also, this is one of the things I said like why I didn't like the scenes with the High Septon is that the High Septon in the book is known as a very kind and good man, and he's loyal to the king to a fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's – and also Cersei has him killed in his sleep uh, in the book because – uh, and that's another reason why. So when she replaces the High Sparrow, it's kind of a way of saying, hey, you work for me now. I'm giving you this power and that's why I liked it better in that way mm-hmm. uh, because it's clearly showing like, hey, I did this to this guy who was loyal, you know, so now you're going to be loyal to me, not to my son. Mm-hmm. So I liked it a little bit better in the books. 
Um, with Sansa and Littlefinger, of course, naturally, this is all new to the show, but uh, in the book, uh, uh, Ramsay actually marries a girl named Jane Poole, who is actually in the show in season one. She was uh, Sansa's best friend in Winterfell and accompanies uh, Sansa down to King's, to King's Landing. And okay. uh, and so, but she comes, uh, she's brought back up to marry Ramsay, and she, but she poses as Arya Stark, not Sansa. Uh, uh, and the whole time, also, Cersei knows about this plot of Littlefinger's. Instead of in the show, they're showing it as him conniving and backstabbing the Lannisters. So it's just a way to it's a way to throw the Boltons a bone, kind of from the Lannisters of saying like, oh, like yeah, we're allies. You know, here's something to keep you happy. Mm-hmm. So, but I, you know, it's. It's done well. I, I actually thought it was a very brilliant move by the show producers to just do it with Sansa instead of this Jane Poole character because you have no attachment to the Jane Poole mm-hmm. at all. So it's like, oh, I, was like, I like. I remember when I saw it, I was like, oh, I like that. That's really smart. So nice. And as for the books, though, that's really the only differences in this episode. Um, however, though, there's a fan theory that uh, I thought was really interesting that. It's always been kind of a small one, but it, it, it seems to – it might be true. It might not be true, but I, I liked it, and it's with Jack and Agar once again. Uh, and when he said to Arya, you know, there's only one god, a girl knows his name, it echoed exactly what Sirio Farrell told her in season one, her dancing instructor. Oh, okay. You know, because he says, you know, there's only one God and his name is death, you know, and, and it echoed that. And so it, it's been a long time theory of is if Jack and Hagar is this great faceless man who can kill and, you know, and do whatever he wants. Why was he taken prisoner in season two and following Arya? And it's like, is Jack and Hagar also Sirio Pharrell? Is he, you know, what did he just you know, change faces and become that man as well. And he's all in this whole time since season one, has he been training Arya to do this? Wow. So it's just a really cool if it was that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's a, it's it's just a fan theory, but it's something that no one really spoke about until this episode, because when he said that it was like, Oh, it could be true. So, so, and that's it. Wow. That's interesting. Is that is all right? Well, awesome. Thank that. Thank you for that insight. It, it definitely, it's it's interesting how you know things move because of where they are and what just works better for its show and uh, and what maybe was omitted. But very cool. Yeah. Very very cool. All right. Well, that is it for this week's Game of Thrones with Jay, Jack, and Nick. Uh, you can just call it three zero nine zero three eleven. Call it time. What's that? Two zero six three zero nine. Comment time with questions, comments, and, and or theories. <laughs> also, you can send an email to jayandjack at gmail.com. Once again, that's jayandjack at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you guys next week for another Game of Thrones. And goodbye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.